Husker Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. Hey, Dave. Hey, Dave. How you doing? Pretty good, I think, but I haven't seen the report. Well, it's... it's <laughs> You'll have it tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) What have I heard that before? So thank you so much for joining us. Um, Introduce you to our lovely listeners. This is David Milne from Arch Inspection. Has many, many years of experience inspecting homes in San Francisco. Any idea how many homes you've inspected in our fair city? Uh, Great question. I would have to go back thousands and thousands. Thousands. Yeah. Yeah, easily. So we're really excited to hear what you have to say today. Um, we never know exactly where our conversations are going to go, but we're just going to talk about <laughs> that life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Talk to you about some of um, your experiences and your your perspectives on the importance of home inspections. Maybe toward the end, we could talk about like maybe the strangest thing you've ever come across. Maybe we could wrap up with something fun, like something you wish you had never found in an inspection. <laughs> or something unexpected, you know, just, just well, I mean, it, that it's, doesn't go there. <laughs> it's, it's San Francisco. You never know what you might come across. Well, or, or not, right? Yeah. I mean, the number of homes that have been missing foundations over the years. Oops. Yeah, right, right. exactly. Right. So maybe we can start off with, if you want to just sort of give us your overall um, thoughts about why is it important for a buyer to have a home inspection when they're buying a property? Good question. So uh, I think they take it granted that not everyone's a contractor has experience in construction. So when you're purchasing something like a house, which is constructed, you're walking in there blind. You have really no idea. What am I doing? What am I looking at? And this is where you want to start looking at inspection reports. If you think of real estate transaction as a pie chart, there's many factors coming in there, and I'm a slice of that chart. So um, normally you would be reviewing two reports. One is a termite inspection or pest inspection, and what that person's looking for is anything that would destroy wood. In San Francisco or the Bay Area, the three common would be just fungus damage or rotted wood, one and the same, woodborne beetles, and then, of course, termites. The other type of report you'd be looking at would be a contractor inspection, and that's what I'm providing. And I'm really taking it from there on. I'm going to talk about the foundations, exterior covering, roof conditions, site drainage conditions, what's going to happen with water. We'll get into water at some point. I'm going to go over the three utilities, plumbing, gas, and electric necessities, and show you how to turn everything on and off. Look at the water heater and the heat system. Time-wise, oddly enough, the bulk of the inspection is really the lower portions of the building. This is contractor line. This is where I get in there and really start taking a look at things and shaking stuff around and kicking the tires, kicking the tires. Um, once I get inside, it goes much quicker. It's more of a random sampling of doors, windows, and outlets. What I'm really looking for is earth shattering news, big cracks in the walls or stains, evidence of leakage, that type of thing. We generally don't focus much or pay much attention to the everyday amenities, appliances like uh, washing machines and stoves and refrigerators and dishwashers. We just don't really have a great deal of interest in this. So if they're newer, good for you. And if not, certainly you want to either have some kind of a provision, backup, maybe an extra insurance policy, something to pick these things up. Look at you pitching the home warranty. That's it. Hey, <laughs> money well spent. Well, it's Murphy's that's Law. That's the appliances, right? I and mean, that's it. Absolutely. Know. If You know, when you buy these things... More often than not, not much is going to happen. But if you don't, you can rest assured within 90 days, not one, but three widgets are going to break. I hate it when the widgets break, Dave. They do. And on top of which, so there's a mental threshold I've noticed. If one item goes, uh, okay, I'm a little upset. I got it. 
The second one goes, now they're getting a little bit upset, but by the time the third appliance dies on you, now they're just losing their mind. And it's usually something water-related, like a dishwasher or garbage disposal. And so that, again, is where these policies really come in. It's important to note that a home inspection is, in essence, a photograph in time. Here's how it looks today. So it makes it really hard for us to predict what's going to happen. I can comment on the general age of an appliance or perhaps it looks new or perhaps I think this might not have a lot of remaining lifespan in it. But it's, it's really a guess. You never know exactly when an everyday appliance is going to go out. Or you can never predict when a roof is going to start leaking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But when it rains. Yeah. yeah. Water is probably much of, of what you spend time dealing with. It is. And the results thereof. It is. But uh, kind of to finish up on, um, uh, on the importance of these inspections, it's all about gathering information. And the more information you have, the more informed you are to make a good decision. In other words, do I want to proceed forward with this? Do I have any allowances or money set aside for any kind of remodeling or repair work I want to do? But that's really the purpose of the inspections is to educate either the buyer or the seller on the condition of the property. So we've kind of talked about the importance of them. How does it actually, the the mechanics of it work? For example, there are people in the transaction that the buyer or seller are never supposed to come in contact, you know, like the appraiser, for example. Um, You know, is this what are you, is an inspector or person hired like that that goes out and does this, you know, by themselves and then you come back and they just read a report or is it, how does that work? What what should people expect? Well, good question. So without being too long-winded, the termite inspectors or pest inspectors are looking for wood-destroying organisms or W. WDOs, and they are governed and regulated by the state. So the state of California has a board, a structural pest control board that oversees this. In California, there is no licensing for home inspection. Some states do. California is elected not to do it. They license everything. Uh, right. Cosmetologists. <laughs> Kel surprise. Yeah. So I hope no one in Sacramento hears that. <laughs> well, I'm sure someone's working on it. <laughs> that said, we still want some sort of set of standards to go by. So when I write a report, there's two well-known or- organizations that would govern this. One is ASHI, which is the American Society of Home Inspection. And the other one is CREA and I'm a little lost for words. I can't remember what that is. but It's I an excellent acronym. Right. Fully support it. But since we can't go by code compliance, in other words, we're not city inspectors, we do need some sort of a format or governing format by which we generate these reports. Uh, so in other words, there's certain things we're going to look at and talk about, and there's certain things we don't. So again, with a um, contractor inspection, foundation, siding, roof, three utilities, water heater, heater, and then looking for adverse conditions inside. Um, exclusions there would be anything that's low voltage, telephone, cable vision, alarm systems. We don't test. Doorbells. For- right. Do you, do you run a, um, sorry to interrupt, but do you run across a lot of home automation stuff now and, and people getting, asking you questions about that? Or? There are. Without saying a brand name of the manufacturers that make these, there are uh, manufacturers that will provide these integrated systems where they're programmed. For example, your interior lighting. Yeah. You can come in and there's a control board where you press a button and there's a bank of lights dimming up is another banker dimming down at the same time. And there's an infinite amount of configurations you can have with these. It won't be long before we're really, there's no cabling at all. It's all 
IR somehow and wireless magic. It's is uh, with wires. I I found out not that long ago that you uh, can buy a dryer that comes with an app. What would it do? It's uh, I know it sounds silly. Um, it has a feature like some of these will have a steam injection system, and perhaps you don't want to get off the couch or you've left to go somewhere and you realize, oh my god, I want to inject some steam in there to get all the wrinkles out of the clothes. It happens to me all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my biggest problem, <laughs> since I crawl under houses for a living, is wrinkles. Um, nonetheless, uh, everything is going to be coming with an app at some point soon. Can I interrupt you again? Yeah, yeah. You had mentioned something just in your previous comment there about not inspecting to code and being a city inspector. And maybe if you could kind of touch on that as well, because I think that is a misperception sometime that, you know, when people are buying a home, a home has to be to code and that code is like this thing that is just written and never changes. Right. Well, a good question. So uh, code actually means minimum. So if you're a contractor and you pull permits and you're doing a job, we know that the city entities are going to come out and inspect your work. What is the least amount I have to do to pass that code? Now, in some areas uh, where it's affluent, you could run into the opposite of this. And I've had this where designers ordered some sort of crazy plumbing fixtures from Italy and Germany that won't even hook up to American plumbing. You have to make special <laughs> joints for these things. But a city inspector would come out and take one look and not see a U.S. stamp on that and say, no, you can't have that. And I'd be, but that's an $8,000 toilet. I don't get this. So technically code really means minimum but it can cause you some problems if you are buying crazy stuff you know or high-end stuff but for us code changes there's the united building code and then this goes on with all the different subtrades so electric and plumbing and mechanical um and they do change and then local entities add their own addendums to these and it just makes it too convoluted so in other states where they do license and regulate home inspection they've decided that we're not going to go by code compliance but you have to have some sort of governing body that you're going to go by. So this brings us back to going by ASHI or CREA. Yep. And again, I, I choose to go with the ASHI standards. And then this comes with um, all the other requirements that you do. You have to pay to join. You have to take a test. We have to do uh, continuing education credits once a year. And in your particular case, well, you know, there's not licensing for home inspectors. You do have a general contractor's license or did. You know, that was your... Correct. So technically, since home inspection is not regulated, anyone can slap a hat on their head that says inspector. But it's really now more about what do you bring to the party? Yeah. So for me, my experience was I've been in construction all my life. My dad was an architect. Gosh. You're a San Francisco native. Not quite, Not but quite, been but here since cool. I was a kid. Yeah. I did a lot of project management, TI or tenant improvement work downtown. That's where you had 10, 20, 30,000 square foot build outs. Commercial build outs. And then uh, my other um, previous experience, I was a high end trim installer for many years. And there's a point at which you just realize if I stay in this, I'm just going to ruin my body, my, my knees, my back, my neck. And there was a point for me, and it was right around 2003, where I said, that's it. I'm done. I'm going to move on to something different. And it was a friend who suggested this and got into it. And uh, first thing I did was showed up and talked like a contractor, which is not too far removed from a sailor. <laughs> it was a nice realtor that took me aside and said, Dave... I think you got this, but we need to change the dialogue a little bit. And so rather than expressing my opinion freely, I learned to say things like, uh, these windows would appear to be a lesser cost option. And so at a minimum, you Ooh, I want to play translate that statement. Yeah, yeah. So at a minimum, we should do some 
periodic maintenance and exterior weather sealing to make sure they perform the best they can. So we've known you for, you inspected this place for right. us and we bought this in 2002. Yeah. So we must have come. Oh, my bath's off a bit then. Maybe it was 2001 I started. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Beginning of the aughts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we um, we had no idea you were right. when you, right. uh, well, made well new to the inspection. Yeah, yeah, game. yeah. Um, but to bring this uh, full, full circle, I think again, um, most uh, people involved with, or whether you're buying or selling, there is going to be some interest in what the inspectors have to say. So if you're selling a course, was there anything adverse that I need to be concerned about? Um, but for buyers, I think more importantly, they just want some idea. What am I getting for this amount of money? And what's it going to take? And this is something we can get a little bit more detailed on later on. But I think the next part of this is the emotion that real estate transaction itself can generate. It's stressful. Home inspection for me, same thing. By the time I meet a couple, they've already gotten a certain distance into the real estate process. And I have to come at that point and talk with them and have it be conducive for everyone involved. How are they, how are they looking at that point, David? Well, it's, um, if they've done it more than once, they're semi relaxed. My favorite, of course, are the first time buyers. My favorites are. I mean, because before we, we get yeah. into it, it's interesting that they're your favorite inspections because we were just talking the other day that they're also our favorite sales. Yeah. There's nothing as rewarding as working with a first time buyer. Absolutely. Absolutely. They are eager. They're terrified. They're just on the edge of their seat. It's a bundle of emotion. And I think the best part for me is that I realized before I say anything, I've got to get them to relax a bit or they're not going to hear anything that I'm saying at all. So my favorite story then would yeah. be uh, how first time buyers are my favorites. More often than not, when I arrive at the appointment, they're already there. And say, for example, it's a young couple out front and they're eagerly waiting. And I'll approach them and I notice right away they have large bags under their eyes and they probably haven't slept in two, three, four days. And I know mentally, again, they're right on the edge of their seat and I've got to get them to relax or engage them somehow. So I'll use a little bit of humor and levity and I'll go up and say, let me guess. You're convinced the minute you close escrow, you're going to come home from work and everybody else's house is still here except mine. It's just a big pile of sticks. And at that point, one of them will just kind of whimper out a quiet yes. <laughs> It's usually crying, like, yeah. <laughs> so I'll then follow with, that's not going to happen. Here's why. And it's usually something to the effect of this building's been here for at least 90 years and it's not gone anywhere. And now that you understand that this thing has weathered the test of time, it is here. Now let's get inside and take a good look and see what we can find. And at that point, they now realize we're all on the same side of the table. Let's go look at this thing and, and see what we've got. So you're hired by buyers and you're also hired by sellers. So when you do, and probably more often than not, when you do an inspection for a seller, you just meet an agent and you never meet either one of the principals, right? That's correct. Is there any, I mean, I know you approach the inspection itself the same way, but is there any difference in process or do, do people call you for follow-ups? Or right. Um, yeah. So the other side, so if we stay on the subject of uh, emotional reaction to real estate and home inspection in particular, sellers, um, you know, again, in a place like San Francisco, you've got a lot of old buildings, a lot of history going on here. And I'll write a report. And more often than not, it, true, they're rarely there. But every now and then I'll send out a report and I'll get a call and you can tell they're quite agitated and feel that I've made some disparaging remarks about their building. And again, it's the same approach I take, which is, okay, I got to get you off the edge of your seat. Otherwise, you're not going to listen to anything I'm saying. And I'll remind them that sometimes this comes across as if I'm accusing you of having ugly children. I'm not. It's just this is how the building looks today. Now, if you truly believe there's something I have somehow embellished incorrectly one way or another, let's talk. Let's take a look. And I've had cases where they've done exactly that. 
And uh, one I remember was uh, this guy was quite upset, and I think he hung up on me. But about three days later, he said, I read your report probably four or five times. And each time I read it, it made a little bit more sense. And by the time I, the fifth time, I'm there. You're right. There was leakage wow. coming in through the foundation. And I am on a hill. And, you know, everything you said is true. So it's, um, but you never know. Again, like people just, they're all different. And they all respond differently. So you never really know exactly what you're going to run into until it pops up right in front of you. Well, and then um, there is also the interaction that you have with agents. Right. And we've we've had questions. We've, we've been in this business for a long time. And people always wonder, like, if, we, or if we're recommending you, are you, like... Is it in our shady? back pocket. Yeah. yeah. You know, oh, are we giving you, right. are we sliding you a Benjamin to make the inspection go well? Absolutely. And, yeah. And uh, so what's, what is your relationship like with the brokerage community? Um, well, again, you're dealing with a lot of different types of personalities. And even though realtors are, the assumption is we're dealing with trained professionals, there's still people, there's still emotion involved. And sometimes they too might have objections as to something you comment on. Now, as far as being on in cahoots or one side, favoring one side over the other, in order to be good at your profession, you have to be able to, again, not embellish one way or the other. It's a shot right down the middle to the best of my ability. Here's what I see today. Now, what I will do if someone's upset, say a seller really didn't like what I said about a certain item. I would say, well, true, but now let's break it down. Let's put it on a scale of one to 10. Is it a one or a two or a three? Not so bad. Or is it a 10? Like this thing's going to just explode any minute now. What are we going to do? And again, what you're really doing or what I find I'm doing is answering objections. Someone has shown a strong opinion or an objection to something I've said or commented on. And I cheerfully will address it. Let's talk. Let's go over this. And every now and then um, I, you know, good example would be a roof. I might've looked at a roof and I thought it looked older than it really was. I'd be the first one to step up and say, my bad. Maybe that roof wasn't that old, but nonetheless, we want to know most importantly, that thing's going to perform and not leak. Right. But yeah, you do get, um, there's, there's a couple things that happen. One is once I've come and gone, because again, I'm at an average inspection for two hours. And once I've come and gone, I'm followed by an ar army of other people. And it's going to be somebody's friend or relative or contractor buddy or my favorite, some old relative, like an uncle or grandfather. And they'll I got, show I got up. uncle contractor. We all got uncle Everyone's contractor. Everyone's got one, yeah, right. or the buddy. And they'll walk in and they care about their friend or family and they want to do what they can to help them, but they'll get them unhinged. So a great example is they'll show up and they'll say, did you know, and that's the three famous words. The sentence starts with, did you know? And they'll just say something awful. And now what happens, the person that sat and listened to this now has gone into a bad space. And again, emotion. And I call it anchoring. They are now anchored in a bad spot. And so by the time they call me, they probably slept on it a day or two. And they're just it's keeping them awake. They're laying there at night with their eyes wide open. It's like, oh, my God, this thing, you know. And so it's a bit of a challenge because even if I answer whatever concern they had, you can tell sometimes they're still apprehensive. I, yes, you're convincing, but I'm not sure. I'm not convinced. And so you just have to go the extra mile. And this would be a point where I'll just say, okay, I've, I've explained this to you as clearly as I can, my opinion. I would suggest you talk to someone else, talk to a couple contractors. And the general rule of thumb is if you hear the same thing coming out of two or three licenses, you're probably on the right track. And if you're hearing a lot of different stuff, keep looking. Yeah. So, but, but emotion is huge. It, it's something that you have to acknowledge. Well, it's, I mean, there's, and the, there's so much emotion in every facet of a real estate transaction. 
But if someone's trying to get a loan and they're having to go through what I've heard described as the financial proctology of getting a loan these days, and they're worrying about the house itself, there's a lot of emotions. Absolutely. And And it's also, you know, generally the most expensive investment anyone will make in their entire life. So, you know, there's the magnitude of it all. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, in, in any market, probably a house is one of the most valuable assets, but here in particular, here in particular, yeah. Right. yeah what's our median price? 1.65. And climbing. It is. As, well, as the, as the recording continues, exactly. um, you know, I was trying to think back, um, you know, could have, would have, should have, you think of all the properties that came and went that you could have had. And I remember, uh, well, I won't, I won't get too specific here, but I remember when you could get a, a building in the hate for a very nominal fee. Yeah. And I would be in my early 20s and something would come up and I had maybe half the amount of money for a down. And I would go to everyone, my dad, friends, wherever you could go. And your parents were the best back then. It'd be like, that's way too much money. You're going to lose your shirt. It's not going to work. And you look back and I mean, we were talking about a couple of hundred grand for a three flat Edwardian. And now I tell people that and they just look at me gobsmacked. What? This just doesn't make any sense. Isn't that crazy? So it is. It is. But it's proportional. We had kind of actually talked about that a little bit about how kind of that's been an interesting shift, Um, you know, because when a house costs $60,000 and the foundation, you know, is going to cost $100,000 versus, you know, when your house at that same house is now worth $1.5 million, you know, that foundation might be 200,000, but it's not appreciating like the house. So kind of these major systems and structures that used to, you know, dwarf the cost of a house or be, you know, substantial to it have really shrunk in relationship to our property value. True. The proportion is less. My, one of my favorite things is there's certain buzzwords that will just make an agent lose their mind or respond strongly. Uh, Faulty grades. That's one that gets everyone's attention. So I won't be technical for the recording. We'll just you got faulty grade, cantilever decks, foundation work, and leaks. And true, when a house cost four hundred thousand and the new foundation was a hundred grand, that was twenty five percent of your purchase value. Yeah. Nowadays, again, if the building's two million dollars and it's still a hundred grand to change a foundation, now it's different, it's and it's not daunting. Right. It's no longer as daunting as it was. Um, now it's just five percent. Yeah. 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 And that's if they do it at all. Um, the other thing. Well, so that actually leads me to a great question. Do you know, or like in your experience, often buyers go through the process and, you know, talk about all of the things they're going to do as soon as they become owners. Like if you had to to predict what amount of that work actually went on or people kind of move in and then get comfortable with it the way it is, have you, do you notice kind of a perception of like over the years you've gone back to houses and they're exactly the same as the last oh, time you all inspected the time. them? Oh yeah. No, no, no. When you're buying, it's a really big deal that I have a great foundation and lots of talking goes on about this. And then five to seven years later, they've decided to move and I show up because <laughs> I'm the one they called and it's the same foundation. They never touched it. And I see this with all old furnaces, you name it. It, it, it does happen. Um, I was going to talk more of um, when I do meet buyers first time, especially if they're first time buyers, I like to ask them what their plans are. Are you just going to move it and love it the way it is? Maybe a little paint and that's it. Or do you have remodeling plans? And this way, I can steer the inspection as best I can towards the direction they're going. So technically, as a home inspector, I'm really supposed to stay inside my inspector's box. The difference for me or advantage is I'm a retired contractor. So I'll cheerfully, you know, someone asks me, can I do this or can I do that? I'll say yes or no. But here's what most likely that would entail. And this way, now, when you sit down with your own architect and contractors, you'll be familiar with the conversation. In other words, 
It won't be new. You'll think, I heard this somewhere before. Where was it? Oh, that's right. It was with the inspector. That's cool. When you talked about how you go back seven years later and the house is the same. When we bought this place, I was already an agent. I was, and then I was a buyer. Decide, I was like, oh, I'm going to remodel this. And it took me almost five years to get around to doing it. And uh, I was really glad I finally did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's just an aside. Yeah. But yeah. I, mean, I love taking old, I mean, I love seeing inside old houses. I love yeah. when they're taken apart and, you know, understanding how they were put back together um, and kind of, you know, it's, it's an old cliche. They don't build them like they used to. That's true. But just, yeah. I mean, because we also sell a lot of condos that are brand new construction and just learning kind of about like what modern construction techniques for those buildings are versus how things were built. Right. And also, I think one of the things that's really special about some of our older homes is is the wood they were built with. And I know that sounds totally dorky, but it's like old growth redwood in right, some right. cases. That's, well, that's one of my favorite talking points, and that is... Most of San Francisco is exactly that. It's old. And it was built back when you could mow down those old forests. And oh. those trees could be several hundred years old to, you know, two, three thousand years old. And the stuff just has a great quality. The ring structure is very tight. There's a lot of natural occurring compounds and resins, tannins in there. And it acts as a natural barrier against things that destroy wood or WDOs. Um, most of the older buildings. You keep saying WDOs, and my mind keeps going to WMDs. Right, right. Yes. No, no, no. Wood destroying organisms. So rotted wood, folks. Rotted wood. Um, newer construction is is a little bit different now because um, you can't really just mow down these forests like we used to. So a lot of stuff is manufactured. Wood is a commodity now. They will literally spray forests with rags and get this stuff to grow faster, and they mill it smaller, and then they have a process by which it can be milled and then reassembled or glued together into different shapes. So it looks like the same piece of wood or siding that you would have used before, but it's not. There's brand names for this stuff, but it just doesn't have the same resilience and longevity as that of original or old growth lumber. Um, and the, the test of this, just walk around San Francisco and a lot of these old buildings, you're looking at original redwood siding that's every bit as old as the building is itself. And if there's any cupped or buckled wood on there, it's going to be the part of the building that has south-southwest exposure, and it's just suffering from some deferred maintenance. But you go around the north side of the building, and it, it looks like it did the day it went in. It's wow. just indestructible. Now, compare that to an old brick foundation. That does have a limited lifespan. There's a point at which that mortar holding those bricks together is just going to get too old. So the difference between the two, it's odd to hear your inspector get all excited over wood. And then, oh, let's talk about an old foundation. What do you do with this? But what do you do with this? Well, what I try and do these days is most people are going to have some kind of um, remodeling or renovation or some sort of a plan with something they want to do with the building. It, it really is rare. We're not going to do a thing. We're just going to uh, buy some furniture and, and that's it. Because right. we don't want to. Not that we can't. We just don't want to. So what I try and do is always get – it's like planting seeds – if you're going to do any work that involves foundation work, let's look at this sub area. Can this be possibly converted into additional living area? Is there anything here that would be conducive for you, but also to the value of the property? Always bundle. And that's what you want to do is really bundle your projects. If I had an old building with an old foundation, but I knew within the next couple of years I was going to be digging it out and having extra living area, I would just make that one project. You're going to have to dig it up. Even if it was brand new concrete, you'd still be digging it up to put in drainage systems and plumbing and everything else you have to do. So do it all at once. Bundle the project. And that way you really are getting the best bang for your buck. 
that is kind of completely the opposite of how San Francisco streets seem to be repaired because one week PG&E comes along and like replaces the pipe. And then the next week, the sewer department like rips up the PG&E patches and does what the sewer department did. And, and so it's so on and so forth. Yeah. Like bundle it together. Right. Well, if the average person ran their lives the same way the city governments did, it would be a completely different world. <laughs> you think? <laughs> we constantly be in some state of repair. So. Husker Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. Wow. Wow.